Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Coming up on Money Beat, it's no secret that the American mall is under competitive pressure. One hedge fund manager has been making a, a complicated bet against malls. And now, this year, this bet's becoming pretty popular. Is this the next great big short? This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Hello, Stephen Grosser. How are you? Hello, Paul. I'm doing great. You are? Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Grosser, do I've, you... I've, it's been a couple of days, so I've been missing It you. has been a couple of days. It's, it's yeah, sad. we... Uh, you know, we, we got we got kind of tied up on the markets, uh, big rallies the last couple of days. We couldn't even get away from our desks and to waiting, come up here and do wait, a podcast. And waiting into tax reform. Oh, tax reform. Hey, uh, Stephen Grosser, do you know one thing that Wall Street loves? No. You don't? No. Well, one thing that Wall Street loves is a good trade. Oh, yes. I should have known that. Oh. I should have known how you were setting me up. Yeah, yeah. Wall Street loves a good trade. And one of the hottest trades these days is a bet against failing malls, which, of course, you know, like, it's no real secret there that the malls are having some troubles. But one trader, one hedge fund manager, has made a big bet against the malls. It is a popular bet, but not much is known about the trader. Our Wall Street Journal reporter, Serena Ung, is here, who wrote the profile of the uh, rapidly becoming a more popular trader, isn't he, Serena? Yes. Um, you know, the trader's name is Eric Yip, and he runs a pretty small hedge fund. Um, he has roughly $200 million in assets. But, you know, he's made headlines with this trade um, against malls, um, you know, because, you know, he's gone around Wall Street to pitch the trade to other hedge funds, family offices, other investors, you know, and people are actually piling into the trade thinking that he's probably right. How bad have things been this year for malls? Um, they've been pretty bad. Like, you know, re- look, the retail story is not new. Like, retailers have right. been suffering for many years now. Right, but right. Um, there seems to be a pickup in the pace of store closures among department stores and, you know, some other national retailers. And, you, you know, you're seeing malls lose anchor tenants and other stores. And what Eric um, Yip is predicting is that this is going to spiral um, and this year is like the trigger um, the, you know it's a tipping point for the industry and the you know the stock closures are really going to accelerate and lead to more closures in the next few years that's basically what he's betting on I mean we actually saw uh, you know Money Beat and Chris Dietrich wrote about this um, Credit Suisse was out of a report I think they have something like this is going to be a record year for uh, you know, retail cl- store closures. I think it was around eight thousand mm-hmm. by the end of the year, or that's what we were on pace for, which is a startling number. Yeah, well, and it's driven. I guess you know, obviously, everyone knows that internet shopping is taking on. Um, right. You know, I I think people look at their own habits; they're buying more and more things online. Online shopping, though, is not. It's still less than ten percent of total retail, so that's not the only reason. I think the other issue is that people are still shopping in stores, but they're going to fewer stores, and so they're going to fewer locations to shop. So some malls, actually, some good malls are benefiting, you know, at, at the expense of weaker malls. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I'm interested in, interested in is knowing how long has he had this bet on? Because I think it's obvious now, you know, like, like you said, this year has been a real sort of watershed for, for dying malls. How long has he had this bet going, though? I mean, right now his timing looks, looks absolutely great. 
Did he start this this year, two years ago, three years? Like, when did he start betting against malls? Yeah, so our understanding is that he started um, about um, maybe a year and a half ago, sometime in late 2015. And even, you know, so what? So his bet is fairly complex. He's betting on this obscure credit markets index. It's called the CMBX 6. There are many different CMBX indexes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, six, the CMBX 6 index is one that has a higher um, retail concentration than other indexes. And so this index was trading at close to its, it, it trades like a bond. So, you know, if it's at 100, it means it's full value and um, it has different tranches or slices. And at the time when he entered the trade, it was trading near its full value. But, you know, in other words, the index indicated there was very little chance of de- anything defaulting. It was trading basically at a very optimistic um, scenario. Um, so he put on the bet like over a year ago. And what we know is that in the past six months, he has been shopping it around to others and trying to get people to pile in. Some people have been really skeptical about why he's doing that. If such a good idea, why don't you keep it to yourself? <laughs> right, right. Um, but some others have been really convinced, like some you know, um, other hedge funds have gone in and um, they're basically predicting uh, as much as a 50% decline in the index, and it's roughly like you know 20% down from when he first started shorting it. Wow. I loved uh, the comparison to sort of you know some of the people during the fi- right before the financial crisis with the housing market and like you know sort of trying to figure out how to short this and you know make a dollar on this one big trade. Yeah, there definitely there means quite a few comparisons to. Um, that trade, which you know, um, you know, like ten, exactly, almost exactly ten years ago, a bunch of hedge funds were betting against a similar index tied to subprime mortgage bonds, and at the time, the housing market was strong, and people were like, "Oh, this thing is not going to go bad," but it did, and and it went back in spectacular fashion. This is a bit different, though. The, the instrument is very similar, and the thinking is somewhat similar, but the macro environment is completely right. different. Like. Um, no one expects all retailers to fail, all brick right. and mortar retailers to fail, and um, there may be a bit of a bubble in retail, but it's nothing like it was in the subprime housing boom. You know, it's interesting you mentioned people were surprised that he's going out and shopping this, and and I was surprised by that also. But is it the kind of thing where he's just shopping the idea and people can go off and make the bet on their own? Or is he taking in money to do this that would end up helping him out if he's managing people's money and they're making these bets? Like, yeah, I think know. it's both. It's both. Yeah. Like he, um, I, Our understanding is that he's managed to get some investors to invest with him mm-hmm. based on this. But there are also others who have just um, gone and done it on their own. Um, and you know, the net result is that trading in this index has kind of gone up a lot in the last few months. Um, because the index is very complicated, not all investors and hedge funds are equipped to, to trade it. You actually have to go into these financial contracts called credit default swaps, and not everyone's set up to do that. So I think the some investors actually put money with him to do it. Others are, have been like, you know, uh, yeah, really skeptical about his intentions. But the net result, however, is that the more people put on the trade, the lower the index goes, so it benefits him. Right, yeah. right, right. Even if the money isn't going into him directly, if people are betting against him, it becomes a crowding thing. Yeah, exactly. And the price goes down, and they book. You know, they can book market right. market gains and stuff. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. We will come back more about the failing American mall. It's really sad, but uh, this is what it is, and the people betting against it. Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. Got money in the markets? Check out Your Money Matters from the Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Money Beat. We are in the studio talking with our colleague, reporter Serena Ng, about Eric Whip, hedge fund manager Eric Whip, and his bet against the, the dying American mall. And Serena, in the story you lead, it's, you have this sort of really colorful anecdotal lead about uh, Eric and his past working in a mall in New Jersey. Can you tell us a little bit about that because it is really interesting. Yeah, so Eric has a really interesting background. He, he didn't come from a privileged background. Uh, he was born in Hong Kong. Uh, his parents moved to New Jersey when he was five. They they um, they lived in a suburb near Philadelphia. And you know, in the 1980s, when he was in elementary school, they took over a store in the in a mall called the Burlington Center Mall. And it's what it, it's a it's what they call an inward facing mall. Um, that has, you know, department stores and um, other smaller stores. So at the time, they, they took over the mall. So this mall opened in 1982, and it was bustling in the 80s, um, from what we, we understand. Um, it had JCPenney, Sears, and Macy's um, as anchors at, at various points in time. Um, and, you know, at the time that he worked there, it was his parents had a shop called East. It, it was something like a cross between a Pier 1 Imports and a Spencer's. Um, they sold things like rock band T-shirts, you know, Metallica T-shirts, yeah. and housewares and furnishings. Um, <laughs> and our understanding was that he worked there um, on the weekends or you know after school. And so the store actually closed in the 1990s when um, the local economy wasn't doing well. But his parents actually went back into retail a few years later, they opened the store back in the same mall, and in two other like regional um, malls. And they had that for, you know, for more years. And they cl- everything closed down in the mid-2000s after, mm-hmm. you know, this um, mall food traffic decline and other trends. And um, the family exited retail altogether. Um, so, you know, we went to visit the mall a few times. Uh, um, and it's about 80 miles from New York City. It's, it's quite close to Philadelphia. And it was basically mostly empty. Sears is still there. So this, the mall is operating. Oh, Sears. That people still shopping How much there. longer is that going to be? <laughs> but um, the food court, everyone had cleared out. All, most of the stores wow. were um, closed. There was cloth on the on the door frames, and um, entire sections of the mall were completely deserted. The fountain had dried up. There were some cobwebs, um, and it was a really um, dramatic scene. I mean, it, it's great that did it was also in Jersey. Did you take pictures or videos? Did you? I took some pictures. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the stores that are, there's still about a dozen stores open. At some point, yeah. there were over a hundred. Yeah. And the stores that, that open unreal. include things like um, there was a Foot Locker, um, Bed Bath and Beyond. There was a barber shop, a, a <laughs> nail salon, a massage parlor, um, it's and, and a shoe repair store, like among a few other things. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I'm the, actually on their website looking at the stores and the list of stores. It's so sad. On the list of stores, they have the management office and mall security. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just nothing there. Yeah, we spoke to some some, te- some people who work there, and they said, "Oh, it's been really sad." Like, um, so Jay Z, Penny, and Macy's left in the past in the last decade, and, yeah. and after that, a lot of stores closed. Um, there were some mall walkers exercising there, and they said they used to go there when it was busy when the kids were young. It was always busy. 
over there, but things have changed. And um, there's a there's actually a shopping area right across the street, just like a strip mall type of thing. And that area was actually busier wow. than the mall. Yeah. I how you know you're from Jersey. And like, well, and yes, and, yes, and, and this mall's in Jersey. I mean, but I, I think like when I was growing up, you know, in the popular culture, malls in Jersey were almost synonymous. I mean, that is where, you know, it's, teenagers in Jersey hung out. It's I mean, sad, but yes, how does this, how does this, how does this feel to you? This trend. Well, in it's, I have to say, my my local mall, which is Willowbrook Mall, which is in you know, it's in Wayne. I didn't grow up in Wayne, but it was the closest mall. That of the Short Hills Mall. Actually, both those malls are doing really well. It's it's kind of crazy, but they're both doing really well. But yeah, I mean, I, I was literally one of those teenagers that before we had a car, before you could drive, your parents would drive you to the mall and drop you off for like the afternoon, and we'd go to the arcade, play video games, go get sodas. Like, I mean, that that was literally how you blew it an afternoon. You went to the mall and hung out, and it was, it's insane. And the mall is st- it's still there. It's still doing well, actually. Uh, you know that the food court is full, the stores are full. There's not a lot of vacancies there, so it it's it's strange. It's it's hard to peg exactly what's driving some of these malls out of business and what and why others aren't being driven out of business. And the Short Hills Mall, which is by me too, is that's a super high end mall. It's in Livingston and Milburn. You know, that does really well. So it it's not every mall, but I mean, it's a huge. It is a huge trend. Yeah. And Esther, who you wrote the story with, Esther Fung, I think she's written about this too. That uh, there's a divide com- between the malls. Right, right. Like there's supposedly like dead malls and thriving yeah. you know, or more thriving malls. Yeah, and, and Eric's view was kind of interesting too because obviously so for years he saw the inside of a mall and he saw the mall deteriorate over time. And so the one of the big um, kind of aha moments for him as we understand it, you know, was when he was researching the trade, he visited, you know, um, something like 20 malls uh, across the U.S. and um, and basically look, maybe even more, and look for trends or observe the kind of the mix of stores, you know, who the anchor tenants were, were and their locations, whether they were close to more popular malls. Yeah. And, you know, he walked around the mall, talked to people with, um, working there and people who were shopping, and basically that was how he drew his conclusions. And I think the most of the malls that he picked, um, he basically came up with a list of, like, 26 malls that he thinks are highly likely to default. And... Almost all of them have a Sears and a mm-hmm. Juicy Penny, and most of them have a Macy's, and many of them have what have a lot of mom and pop stores, and you know selling things like cigarettes or you know or e-cigarettes and and stuff like that. And um, he singled out those malls because, in his view, um, kind of mom and pop local tenants pay less um, yeah. in rent, and they have shorter leases, mm. so they're more likely to they, they can you know, they get up pretty easily. If things right. turn south, they're gonna they're, they're out, you know, and um, they don't have much staying power um, as the national retailers. So the, the malls that he picked were all basically had those trends like department store anchors, um, some weaker national you know retailers, and a lot of mom and pop stores, yeah. which was kind of similar to the makeup of the Burlington Mall. Yeah. I think it's a good place to end. I think it's a good place to end. And in fact, we really don't have much more time because we have to let Serena go because you're doing a, what are you, you're doing like a, a, an orientation workshop yeah, with I new hires? To, I have to speak on a career panel at the Wall Street Journal's orientation. <laughs> right, so that's good. You know, they will learn very good things from you. I just want to know if there's any, you know, or, are, are Orange Julius's still in malls? Does anyone? Oh, my God. I don't That was when I was a so. kid. I remember them yeah. too. Yeah, Do they exist anymore? I have no idea. I used to. They have that in Singapore. Orange yeah. Julius. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, always it with movie theaters. I used right, to like right. The, yeah, I used to love the pizza hot dogs and the or, or, you know the orange chilies. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I guess think we're all in the same generation. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. All right, Serena. Thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. Everyone, thank you for listening. We always appreciate your your patronage, and we'll talk to you soon. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.